Opinions expressed in this episode are personal. They do not necessarily reflect the views of this streaming platform. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Be Diverse. I am your host, Andrew Stout. This episode is dedicated to all my loved ones who have supported me through this journey. Something that I've wanted to dive into uh, a while now, but I wanted to let it fester a little bit, is quiet quitting. It's something that happens often, not just in the workplace, but also in our regular lifetimes. So I wanted to get into that. And today, I was lucky enough to have as my guest today, Hannah Rose. Now, Hannah is a nationally certified counselor, EMDR, and trauma-informed and advanced clinical relapse prevent specialist, licensed clinical supervisor, and licensed clinical professional counselor. She owns Rose Wellness, a fully telehealth group, private practice based in Maryland. Hannah has transitioned from a full-time therapist to a consultant and public speaker. She uses her therapeutic training to help self-defeating beliefs, imposter syndrome, gratitude shaming, and other maladjusted behaviors that hinder people's growth, both personally and professionally. This past fall, Hannah was a contestant on the Emmy Award-winning reality television show, Survivor. Her controversial decision to quit the show shook the internet and highlighted a culture of shame based beliefs. Despite her brief time on the show, Hannah quickly became a fan favorite among younger generation viewers. I would say that it wasn't just young viewers. I would say it was everybody. I became a fan of hers right away and I'm so happy to have her on today. Welcome to the show, Hannah. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's great to be here. It was great that you reached out. Definitely funny that the topic is quitting, but I would say I'm definitely an expert on that. And yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. I've been excited to get into this conversation for a while. Like I said in the intro, I just was waiting for the right time. And I was also looking for the right guest. I firmly believe that even though my podcast is an HR-based podcast, that delves around HR leadership in the workplace. I do believe that leaders come in different ways, shapes, or forms. And I just felt like I needed to have the right guest and the right leader to have this topic and have discussion with. And I thought you were the perfect fit for it. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, I'm honestly honored. And I'm not saying that sarcastically, because I think Like you said, there really is a shame-based culture around quitting, giving up. And I want to talk about that more. For me, quitting Survivor honestly wasn't that deep. It's a reality competition TV show. It's not leaving a job. It's not leaving a marriage and kids. It's different, right? But I do Mm -hmm. think a lot of the same things come up for people, which is you should stick it out no matter what. Or my favorite, and that I am saying sarcastically, you should be grateful. And it's so minimizing. Now, we're going to delve into this for sure. And to touch on that, I think people say that a lot. And that is not just on a show. I've had people who have heard say that in a work setting where they've said, oh, they're not happy at their job. And they've had people tell them, oh, you should be happy that you have something that helps to pay your bills and puts food on your 
table. You should be fortunate. There's a lot of people who are looking for work. So you hear that on a regular basis. And again, I'm excited to delve into that. But before we do that, I want to hear how things are with you. I know you and I spoke a couple of weeks ago, but I want to hear how's everything going with you? What's new? What's going on? Give us the deets on what's happening. Yeah, honestly, everything is pretty great. When Survivor aired, it was definitely a difficult day. It was one day that was difficult (laughs) the morning after that episode aired because people were really angry and we can talk about that more and I understand why. But since Survivor aired, I just continued building my practice and working. I got engaged shortly after I returned and we actually just found a house down in Asheville, North Carolina. So we're moving from Baltimore City to the mountains and I couldn't be happier with my son, who is actually a dog named Ralph. Awesome. Well, I'm sure Ralph is excited to make the move. It sounds like it's a match made in heaven. And we spoke a little bit before we started recording and it sounds like the house is nice and it's a nice area. So that's super exciting. So I'm glad that things are on up and up for you. And that's super exciting for you. Thanks. You're very welcome. So As I mentioned to you before we started, before we begin, I always have a fun question for my guests to get things going. Are you ready for yours today? I'm so ready. So my question to you is, what is the wisest advice given to you that you followed and never regretted? Oh, God, I have two things that come to mind automatically. One of them was from when I was in college. I think I was in a philosophy class and my professor, I'll never forget this. She said, if you take anything out of these four years of school, take this, find what it is that you're passionate about and chase it with everything in you. Some of us will be privileged enough to do that for a living and make it a sole vocation. But even if you don't incorporate that passion somewhere else in your life, even if it's not your job, because you will be fulfilled. And I have always been a passion chaser. And I just go after the things that light my fire and bring me joy, like impulsively applying to a TV show that I definitely should not have gone on, but it's fine. And uh, and then the other one, which is more recent, is much shorter. It's not that deep. Not everything has to be that deep. And as a psych major and a therapist, what refreshing advice. Not everything has to be that deep. Yeah, I I love both. First of all, passion and chasing your dreams. As an HR guy and a leader, I always say to people that you need to find something that you're passionate about because we spend so much time at work during the day and we have to love what we're doing. And if you don't love what you're doing, then you're going to hate going in every day. And that's not fun. So I love the passion part. And passion means clarity to me. So I love Mm -hmm. that. And yeah, I just think that both are fantastic things to go by for sure. Yeah. I have a lot of like little mantras that really get me through. I'll try not to swear on here just because I don't know who your listeners are. That's okay. You know what? I want you to be as passionate as you can today. So if you have something to say and it slips out, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Okay, great. So one of the best things (laughs) I've ever heard is it's not my shit. As in if someone else is going through something, whether it's good or bad or negative or chaotic, it's not my shit. And reminding myself that other people's emotional reactions and problems are not mine. And if I can have empathy for them while also having boundaries, I'll just stop like dropping nuggets of things people have said to me that have changed my life. But that would be the third and final one. 
It's not my shit. It's not my I shit. It. It's I, so freeing. You can drop as many as you can figure out during this conversation. But I would love it. And I just love that philosophy because I think that sometimes we get into situations where we see somebody and they're just upset and we feel like they're taking it out on you and mm. you feel like, oh my God, what did I do? And it may not necessarily be you. It just means that something happened along the way throughout their day. And that was just the last straw. They couldn't hold back anymore. They just had to let it all out. So I love mm. that. I love all of that. Thanks for having fun with me. I love that you were able to come up with a couple so quickly. That's pretty good. And not knowing what the question was giving before, you almost made me seem like a liar today because you <laughs> came up with the answer right away. So I'm pretty <laughs> impressed. But thanks for having fun with me today. What mm-hmm. I want to do, though, is I want to start off with you telling us a little about you, your story, and I also want to know about your why. Okay. So many things. Also, yeah, we definitely didn't talk about that bonus question. But I would say if I have one, you know, when people are like, what's your party trick? What's your one thing? Honestly, I think in another life, I would have done improv comedy because I feel like maybe this stems from being a pathological liar as a child and always spouting things off. But like, I feel really good about on the spot, like speaking from the heart, really speaking from the heart. So whether it started off as pathological lying, it's turned into a good thing. So what's my why? One of my favorite quotes in the world is from the book Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And he says, a man can get through any how if he has a strong enough why. Or something like that. And he was a Holocaust survivor. So he's talking about getting through ginormous amounts of trauma if you have a why. So for me, I feel like I've always been fueled by different whys. And they change. I don't have one why. I have so many whys. And they change. And I feel comfortable enough in my own skin to allow them to change. And that's taken a lot of work and a lot of therapy. What's my story? So I'm in recovery. I have been sober in a 12-step program since I was 20 years old. And that community is very much storytelling. Like The format of those meetings is to stand in front of a room and talk about what you were like, what happens and what you're like now. And it's experienced strength and hope. And so for the last 12 plus years, I've sat in these meetings, listening to stories and telling stories. And so I feel like when someone asks, what's my story? I'm like, oh God, how how do I condense so much? But I will, we'll do the highlights. And a lot of the highlights are pretty low, but Mm. I think that's an important part of it to be authentic. So Mm. I'm from Connecticut and growing up, I went to summer camp as a kid. And when I grew up a little bit more, like 18 plus, I was a camp counselor at that same summer camp. And that really shaped me. It was a sleepaway summer camp. I wasn't like a therapist counselor. I was like a camp counselor. Like I taught lacrosse and went to archery with the campers. But I remember at one point I was the lacrosse specialist and I was working with the older campers and they were like 13. And for whatever reason, I really just wanted to say, I was not licensed to do this, but I was like, let's just do lacrosse therapy today. And we started making it a thing where the teenagers would pass the ball to each other and talk about what was going on at home and what was going on with them. And so I had this calling pretty early on of like, I want to facilitate deep conversations and really get to people's why. And also, are you truly okay? And so thus landed being a psych major. And so I was a psych major in college. I was a full-blown alcoholic by the time I was 
I don't know, late teens. And so I did end up getting sober, like I said, a couple of weeks before my 21st birthday. The impetus was not a DUI or ruining my life. It was like I was just so emotionally dead inside. And I was actually one of the leads in a musical at my college, which is like my number one passion of all time is musical theater. Mm-hmm. And my parents said after another debacle, my parents were like, we're going to pull you out of school. And I was like, no, you can't. I'm Maureen and rent. You can't pull me out of school. And I was like, I'll go to these 12 step meetings. And that's why I first initially went was not to get sober, not to change my life, but to get my parents off my back. So to speed it up, went to grad school for counseling, stayed sober, had a lot of different life experiences. Sobriety has shaped my life. Summer camp has shaped my life. And now I'm 33. Somehow I grew up in sobriety and I worked in rehabs for a while as an addiction counselor, which I never wanted to do, but I landed there and then I loved it. Mm-hmm. Eventually I transitioned out of that job into my own private practice and it was just me and that was 2019 and that was terrifying, but I was still fueled by that why of I want to help people, but I want to be able to do it authentically. And I don't want parameters telling me how I should practice counseling and who I should be working with, et cetera. And that went really well. It was terrifying and awesome. And I loved my clients. And then a few years later, 2022, I said, maybe I'll hire one or two people and do a group practice, even though I'm not a business owner. I am like technically, but I had no idea how to do any of that. And that was two years ago. And now we have, I just hired a couple clinicians in the last few weeks. So now we have 20 therapists. I'm running this group practice and I no longer see clients. I manage the practice. I provide clinical supervision. I do training and public speaking and consultation. And I got to go on Survivor. I got to go to Fiji for a month. And so my why changes. And now my why is about being able to help people without burning out, Mm -hmm. being able to protect my quality of life, while setting healthy boundaries. And then I just, I'm a hobbies girl. I taught myself to crochet last week and now I'm making this ginormous blanket and I love musical theater and I love yoga. So I have so many whys, but really my ultimate why is to squeeze the most juice I can out of life and be a catalyst for change, joy, healing, catharsis to really anyone that I meet. That's my Mm -hmm. very wordy why. And that's my Mm -hmm. whole story as succinctly as possible. So I love that story. There's so many things that I could comment on. The one thing that crossed my mind is the fact of where you came from and the things that you went through to now. And I'd say that is a huge example of leadership because Now you're able to take everything that you took. And I'm a firm believer that each job that you do, you take a little bit of something from it. Maybe you didn't plan it out that way, but having your own practice now, going through all the stuff that you went through in your past and now leading your own team. For me, I'm going to say it's most likely easier for you now to manage your team because you understand, you talked about authenticity. You want to be authentic with your team members because you know how important it is, what you went through, the things that you dealt with. I'm sure there was some people that were in charge of you that you saw how they were and you probably took from all those situations to build what you have and lead a team 
of individuals who are helping other people, but they're helping them the way you molded them to help them. So for me, that is the biggest thing that came out of your story. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I feel like what I really wanted as a newer clinician was the autonomy to explore different modalities of therapy. And I felt really limited and micromanaged at different points. And so I really intentionally try to create an environment where I tell every single person that I hire, I will be as hands-on or hands-off as you need. And so you get the freedom and autonomy to practice the way you want to, but you have the security of knowing that someone who either has more experience than you or is just in a businessy leadership role, I'm here for support, but I am not here to tell you what to do and how to do it. And it's awesome. I've been asked, how did you scale your practice so quickly? And I'm like, I don't think I did anything other than show up as myself in those interviews. I rebranded and hired this amazing team to redo my website and all the language. And they based it all on their conversations with me. So I feel like now our website is really a branch of what the vibe is. And when I ask people, hey, what is it about Rose Wellness that made you apply? Nine times out of 10, they say, honestly, the website. I'm like, yes. And it's cool. It's really cool. I've been on this authenticity journey for years and years and trying to work through letting go of the fear of what people think of me, which is so ingrained into a lot of us. And Honestly, Survivor was just like the culmination of that because obviously I made a very unpopular decision and I stand by it Mm. because I will not trade my authenticity for anyone's approval and I didn't want to be there and I would have faked it. And we're going to delve into that. But yes, I think when you talk about your website, I talk a lot about companies who put stuff on their website, but it's very easy to put on your website mission, vision, and values. You could put that Mm. on there. It's very easy to write it. You can write it. But from what I'm hearing from you, Hannah, is that what you have on your website was a firm belief of what you want to do, what you accomplish. And that is why people saw that. And that's why they wanted to apply. Mm. Not because they might have been looking for a job. That's probably what they wanted to do. But they saw your website and said, this is the place I want to work. And I want to work for them because of what they stand for. So that for me, that just tells me all of that. Kudos to you for figuring that out and doing that for sure. Thank you. I definitely didn't mean to. (laughs) Whatever you meant or didn't, you did it. So what I want to hear from you is what is quiet quitting and why is it bad for not just for an organization, but in general, why do you think it's such a bad thing? First of all, I don't. Because I don't think every scenario is the same by any means. I think every single person's experience is different. What it is that their job is bringing up in them or their supervisor, their coworkers, like we all have different emotional wounds, right? And so the catalyst for anyone to quit loudly or quietly, it's just different. And so I definitely can't make any blanket statements about what is good and what is bad. I've heard a lot about quiet quitting recently and I think for some people that's really empowering. So like, to me, it all comes back to how were you raised and what were your dinner conversations like with your family, like confrontation, attachment, like it all comes back to that. Mm -hmm. So I think choosing to leave for any reason Mm -hmm. can be very healthy and empowering. It also can be avoidance. Mm -hmm. It could be escape. I've watched people quit jobs and then every single job, they have the same exact issue because the common denominator is them. 
right? And until they heal their internal wounds, it doesn't matter what the job is. The same things are going to activate you. And then I've seen people who have shamed themselves into believing I'm the problem. I should make it work. I should be grateful. And they have a super abusive boss. And so every situation is different. So I definitely don't have a solid answer. But what I do think is harmful, I won't say bad, is this notion that can probably be super beneficial and helpful in certain circumstances, but not across the board, which is kind of a generationally aging out idea that you should always stick it out. Mm. You should quote unquote, pull yourself up from your bootstraps, which Mm. by the way, is physically impossible. A lot of people don't know the origins of that phrase, but it's supposed to mean do something impossible, which is hilarious because I hear it all the time. Don't be so soft. I am soft and I can do hard things, but I choose not to do things that don't serve me or are going to be harming me in the short or long term. I understand a lot of us Like it is a privilege to do what you love for work. It is. It's absolutely a privilege. And a lot Mm -hmm. of people do just have to work to get that paycheck to support themselves and their families, et cetera. And so I've done that. I busted my ass in restaurants for years Mm -hmm. as a server during school. Like I get that. However, if I am doing something and I have put myself in a mirage of a cage of learned helplessness, I'm stuck here. The reality is that many of us are not stuck in relationships, in jobs, in location. Again, like financially, there can be a lot of different things or not just financially, but different factors keeping us in place. But what I have noticed is that a lot of the time it's self-imposed parameters Mm -hmm. and it's fear and doubt and self-shaming or getting shamed by others. I had a ton of guilt which is very different than shame about leaving my full-time agency job because I was working in the addiction field and I was very passionate about it, but I was also burning out. I had Mm -hmm. so many patients that died. It was ripping my heart open every day, not Mm -hmm. knowing who was going to die and who was going to make it. It was so intense. And when I transitioned to private practice and I did, I quit that job and transitioned out over time. I worked with In mental health, we call it like a worried well population, which is self-esteem issues and relationships and anxiety and stuff that wasn't as high acuity as big T trauma and addiction. And I felt really guilty about that because I was like, I should be basically dying on the cross for my clients. And it's like, what? I can't be effective to others if I am pouring from an empty cup. I just can't be. So Self-care is also really important. So anyway, that was so many words about quiet quitting. But I feel like no one can tell you your truth except for you. And a lot of us have different barriers blocking us from our truth. We have denial, we have rationalization, etc. However, I don't think quitting is good or bad. I think it is something that happens and only we can decide how it is going to serve us and the people around us. 100% I agree with you. You have to look at your situation. I'm a firm believer that we're all in control of our own narrative. And I think you have to look at the situation and decide what is best for me. If it is for you on a TV show and it just wasn't serving you, then yes, you make a decision and you do it. And don't look back if it is a job, because quiet quitting was happening years ago. I remember people just taking off, working at stores and stuff and retail and people just taking off their shirt and they had a shirt underneath and they took off their shirt 
threw it on the counter and said, I'm out of here. And then the boss would come back from lunch and say, well, what happened with Sam? There would be no real story because oh, Sam just quit. He left, he quit. But now we've labeled it. So now, which is a good thing because we should have been talking about it long ago, but we weren't. So now we have a label on it. Now people are talking about it. Now are people figuring out why are they leaving? Instead of saying, oh, well, they just left. Try and consider why. Why mm. did they make that decision? Because most people, I would say, in certain situations, you might decide on a whim. But most situations are pretty well thought out. And when you're leaving something or saying, you know what, I just can't do this anymore. It's not for me. Well, you've thought about it. It's not like you just said, okay, I'm out. If you're working somewhere, it's something that's been kind of brewing for a considerable amount of time. It's not the first thing that happens. It's something that's happened mm -hmm. several things and several times. Yeah. And you just make that decision and you say, okay, I'm out. I got to go. I got to yeah. do what I can. I will say I encourage anyone who's listening. Yeah, I can just quit. I think it's also important to take into consideration how it will impact those around you and your coworkers. But I also see people guilt themselves into staying at the same job because they don't want to let everyone else down. And I think right. there's a balance, right? Like mm -hmm. rather than walking out in the middle of my shift, can I give a two weeks notice? Or can I, you know, like all along the way when things were building up, did I try to communicate some boundaries? Did I try to communicate my concerns and then quit, right? If you've never attempted to set a boundary or communicate your needs, and people do this in relationships and friendships all the time where it's, right. I just need to cut them out. And it's like, have you tried talking to them about right. your issues? Right. And so I do, I think ideally not storming out in the middle of a work day or a work shift would be ideal. But if it's an unsafe environment and you don't feel like you can, et cetera, I just finished the Brene Brown Dare to Lead training. So I'm there to lead certified and I learned so much, but it was also really affirming of like creating a psychologically safe workspace is of mm -hmm. paramount importance. Mm -hmm. And not just because we're all talking about it now, like it's always been important. We're just right. more vocal about right. it. Right. And she also said that a leader is anyone who inspires the potential in others. And I loved that. Like you don't have to be in a quote unquote leadership position to be a leader in any you capacity. You don't, you don't. So do you think that quitting or quiet quitting is common in your mind? Like something that happens often? Probably. I honestly, I'm in my own bubble and I have been self-employed now since 2019. So I'm like, I don't even know. Like I am not the go to talk about the workforce and trends and things that people do. I mean, ever since COVID too, like working remotely. I love working from home. I love not having to be at work at a certain time. That was like a very big impetus for for quitting was I did not want to wake up early anymore. Like right. I just did not. No. And uh, I'm, ass I'm assuming it happens, but it's probably more common in certain fields or in certain yep. you know, vocations than others. Yep. So let me rephrase it. Is it something that you think that people do often? Like they just decide I've had enough and leave? I can see that happening. This is just from my own experience. I can see it happening more in like restaurants or like I work at a Walgreens or like I work at a dollar store, et cetera. Then I'm a whatever, like CEO of a company or I'm a sales manager. So I, I don't know. I think it really differs only because I've seen it happen in those fields. Not because there are any less demanding of, I think in, in a lot of cases, like the more blue collar the job, the more demanding it can be, honestly. 
for less money. And so if the stakes are lower, because you know, for me, like in a restaurant, I'll just work at another restaurant. Screw you. I'm quitting. I never did that, but I wanted to do it. No, for sure. So it's happened to you. How do we survive quitting? Oof. I know these are the questions and I know that's the topic of this, but I think the root is leadership and management and the work environment and prioritizing, mm-hmm. yet not being over accommodating of everyone's needs all of the time. But we are in a time where unfortunately, due to things like TikTok, everyone is self-diagnosing with disorders and some of those people may have them. I can tell you some of them do not. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, The pendulum has swung from we don't talk about mental health and it's totally stigmatized to everyone has mental health issues and everyone's talking about it through a megaphone. Mm -hmm. And so I can imagine for employers, that's a really difficult place to be, not just generationally, but like I'm a millennial and it's a difficult place for me sometimes because I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm a freaking mental health professional, but I sometimes I'm like, whoa, I, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about mental health in this, in our, in America at least, and how social media is impacting it. Short answer is I think it requires the organization like doing kind of a deep dive on how they support their employees and Maybe also looking at the interview process and being really open about what the job entails if you can prior. There's a lot of personality disorders out there. There's a lot of people that are difficult to work with. I'm sure I have been one at certain points. So I I genuinely don't know other than have real conversations, do the hard work. If people aren't working on themselves, they're just going to leak their unhealed wounds out on everyone else all the time. Yeah. No, you answered it to... A T, it's exactly how I would answer it for sure. I think communication is a huge part of it. Talking to people, check-in, seeing how people are doing. And if it's happening, then I think one of the key things is what a lot of people do is when something happens like that, like someone quitting, whatever it is, people make a huge assumption as to Mm. why they did it when we should actually take the time to see okay, they did that. Let's get together and let's figure out why did it happen? And what steps can we do to prevent it from happening down the road? Obviously, you can come up with a gamut of scenarios. You're not going to find every scenario that's going to solve it. But I think that most important thing is to have the discussions and figure out, well, understand that this happened and why, and understand that it's not always a negative thing like we talked about earlier. It could be something that you just felt. We're all passionate and we all have our thoughts and feelings on things. And sometimes you just have to go with your soul and what your body is telling you that you just need to do. And sometimes you just need to follow it. For sure. Yeah. And I think exit interviews are also really helpful. Like an exit interview where ideally you encourage whoever is quitting to be as honest as possible about why, because you can take that information and learn from it. But I would say, Hannah, if you're going to do those, that is perfectly fine. But there are companies that do that. And then they just, they say that they did it. And then they just put it aside. If you're going to do that, then make sure that you have a conversation, communicate. Okay, I just had an excellent interview with Hannah. This is what she told me 
the reasons why she decided that she wanted to leave the company, then we have to understand that everybody's reasons mean something to that individual, right? If you're downplaying somebody's reasoning for something, then it's not right. You have to understand why they did it. You may not fully understand it, but you need to sympathize and say, okay, why did they do this? And let's try to figure out what we can do in the future so that somebody is having this issue that we can have some support system to help them and to guide them. For sure. Yeah. Somebody's having an issue with their boss, then what are the issues? What's going on? And find out what's happening. And instead of just, oh, they left because of so-and-so. And and I think it takes a lot of leveling of pride and ego and the ability to be humble and practice humility and all the things I've learned from being in recovery, right? It's like mm-hmm. self-awareness, being mindful. If, if I have a clinician who says they're going to transition out and start their own private practice, I tell everyone I hire that I'm going to help them do that. And this should yeah. not be a last place for them. Like right. You shouldn't work at someone else's private practice long-term. You should go start your own. Right. And But I also, I think it's important to ask for feedback and have hard conversations. Again, Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead, is so helpful about leaning into hard conversations and looking at what's blocking you as a leader from doing that. And for me, what came up during this training was people pleasing and fear of not being liked and all these things that it was like, I got to rumble with this stuff and it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think if more people were willing to do that kind of introspective work, it's not comfortable at all. It sucks, but it's so helpful. But unfortunately it's like not the world we live in. So no, for sure. If we're talking about surviving it, I think that we have to communicate, but we also have to understand that what, Going back again, what is the true meaning of what that person is going through? And I think if we understand that, then it might be a little bit easier. But yes, I I totally agree with you. And you mentioned TikTok and stuff like that. There's a lot of videos and stuff like that. And a lot of stuff out there on social media that it's almost like it's pushing you a certain direction. And I think we... There was a trend. There was a trend where people were filming themselves quitting loudly at work and walking out. Like how many of those people would have done that if it wasn't a trend? Oh, I have thoughts about social media, but we don't have to go there. That's another topic. (laughs) Yes. I have my thoughts on social media as well. You and I will probably have a conversation on this another time for sure. But what I want to know is if you could choose one word, Hannah, to describe yourself, what word would that be? And if you need more than one, you could come up with a <laughs> I'm like, the word that's coming up is wordy because I just feel like I have a lot of things to say. I think what's passionate is so cliche. I, I honestly, wow, I'm stumped. I, I'm just thinking the words that are coming up are like myself. That's not an adjective at all. <laughs> bubbly? I think bubbly. I have a lot of energy. Yeah. So like right now, I'm tired. I'm very tired, but I get really amped up talking about things and get real bubbly. So mm-hmm. we'll go bubbly. Bubbly. We'll go bubbly. Yes, I, I think that would we'll be bubbly. bubbly. Says if you're sociable, you're fun, you're outgoing type of person. So I definitely would agree with you on that. If I was to choose one word for you, we mentioned it earlier, is from your story and what you've gone through and where you are now. I would say is adaptable would be the word that I would use. For Ooh, you. Uh, adapt like a chameleon. Yeah, because you've adapted in every situation, in every scenario. And I don't think that you stop adapting. I believe yeah. that you continue to adapt. 
And I'm sure you're seeing it now, especially now that you have employees under you that you're having to adapt because one employee is not the same as the other employee. So the, the training and the stuff that you're doing. So you mentioned, I'll say this part and then we'll continue. When you mentioned before, you said that you want people to go on and you want them to grow and you want them to move on. So I'm sure you're seeing that there's people who are looking for growth and they want to take what they've learned from you and move on and do their own practice. So that is... Yeah, I think think it's important that everyone knows though, for this, and this is not true of all necessarily companies or different fields, but for therapists in particular, if they had their own practice, they would be providing the exact same service. It's just the fear of owning your own business, but it's easier than people think. And so my thing is, I tell them, you can stay as long as you like. I'm going to help you leave when you're ready. Right. And I think them knowing that, ironically, actually retains them for way longer because they right. know that they're supported. Right. And then maybe they'll dip their toe in their own practice or start right. their own practice. And right. either way, knowing that you have autonomy is like my thing. I'm like, you can stay, you can leave. I'm going to support you either way. Right. And they're like, really? Mm. I can take my clients with me. And I'm like, yeah, it's about helping clients. It's not about making me money. Listen, me profiting with this business is wonderful, but I'm not going to sacrifice my integrity and my, again, like authentic values to make more money. And I see a lot of big companies that do that. And I am lucky enough to have a small company where I don't have to do that. And I refuse to, and maybe that's naive. I'm not a business person, but it's working so far. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to take the time to thank you for coming on. When I spoke with you a couple of weeks ago, first of all, I had this envision of this particular topic, like I said earlier, and I was looking for somebody specific to have this conversation with. And when I reached out to you a few weeks ago and you agreed to come on, I envisioned this conversation and how I thought it was going to go. And it has exceeded my expectations as far as how it was going to go. For me, it was a fantastic conversation. And I am sure that my listeners are going to agree for sure. There was some great positive things or some great feedback. And I admire you as an individual because some people have a hard time to make decisions and decide after a certain amount of time, after thinking things through and deciding. So people have a hard time to make those decisions that they feel are best for them. And I admire you for doing what you did and for what you do and what you stand for. And your story for me is truly admirable and compelling. And I truly am thankful that you chose to come on my show and so excited for everybody to hear this. So thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Honestly, it's an honor. It's really humbling when anyone asks me to speak about anything because I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm just another bozo on the bus. But if my experience and trial and errors have, it's anything like one thing in in recovery, they say is no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we can see how our experience has benefited others. And I love taking painful experiences and letting that help other people. Mm -hmm. And like I got to fall on my face on national television. I anticipated every possible outcome. I was really stressed about it. And the only outcome I didn't anticipate was that 
I wouldn't want to be there. And that's what happened. And I had to adapt. And I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud of myself. And the people who know me and love me are. And that's really all that matters to me. And so it is. It's humbling and it's an honor to be on here. I think it's awesome what you're doing. I think it takes a shit ton of courage. I don't have my own podcast. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh God, that's a lot of work. And I think it's awesome that you're like, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to go out on a limb and ask people I've never met in my case at least. And I think that's bravery. And what else do we have than trying? Because what the heck are we going to lose by trying? That's my thing is I trust in the universe that I will fall on my feet. Even if I hit my face first, I will land on my feet and I will be okay no matter what. And that belief gets me through anything. I'm going to say this little thing, a little bit here, that I don't think that your decision was a bad thing. I think it was an honorable decision. I admire it. The fact that you were not just thinking about yourself, but you're also, I'm sure in the back of your head thinking, oh my God, what are people going to think? But I truly believe that before you make assumptions, hear out the person and their thoughts and their ideas and why they made that decision. If you want to stick to your thoughts after, that's totally your opinion. But at least Mm -hmm. hear the person and hear what they have to say before you make a split decision, because it's not fair to anybody to just assume we need to understand the situation. And I understood it watching the episode the second that it happened and having you on here today and hearing your story. I understand the story and the situation even a million times better than what I understood it because now I've had the opportunity to talk with you and find out more about you. And I'm so honored that you were willing to do this with me. So again, thank you for coming on. Thanks, Andrew. You're very welcome. So on behalf of myself and my guest today, Hannah, I would like to thank you all for listening. And until next time, be safe. And I want to let everybody know that if we all work together, we can accomplish anything. You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe 